Living Bulwark podcast. I'm John Wilson. And I'm Bridget Bonifant. This is a podcast dedicated to introducing you to people throughout the Sword of the Spirit. We'll invite a guest to each episode, and then we'll just spend a few minutes getting to know them and hearing part of their story. Joining us on the podcast today is Tony Silcock. Tony joins us from Belfast, Northern Ireland, where he leads Youth Initiatives, a youth outreach to kids in Belfast. Tony's also a part of Karis Covenant Community, which is a member community in the Sword of the Spirit. It's a real privilege to have Tony with us today. Thanks for being willing to join us uh, today. I Maybe to uh, just to start... Could you just tell us um, about what you do right now, about your family, uh, introduce yourself to us? Sure. Yeah, no problem. Well, it's really lovely to be here. It's nice to see you guys. Um, um, I'm Tony Silcock. I live in Northern Ireland, and um, my I serve in a, a mission organization called Youth Initiatives, and um, my role in there is, it's really fancy. It's, it's, it's called chief executive officer, but it, it really means it's the first person who has to serve and you know, clean the toilets and do the painting whenever the paint peels off the walls uh, or clean the bins. But so I, 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 um, I really have the privilege of looking after, we have 48 uh, different uh, staff members. And in Northern Ireland, it's a mixture between male and female. But even equally as important is the mixture between Catholic and Protestant. Uh, so there's a really good balance there. Um, we are in six different locations in Northern Ireland. And we're also in Glasgow. And then in the, within the last two years, we've, we've moved out to a little place called Ashburn, which is just north of Dublin. So I, I look after eight different um, eight different sites, eight different youth community hubs. Um, and we work, we generally work alongside probably six and a half, seven thousand young people every year. And we've got 43 different weekly programs that go on. So it's really exciting. I, I, I could say more about that. Um, it's a really brilliant place to work. Um, and even though there's lots of challenges that, that, that kind of crop up every year, I was actually saying to someone the other day, there's, there's never been a day, so I've been working there for 16 years and I'm full-time ministry. But there, in the last 16 years, there's never been a day that I've not wanted to go to work, mm. which is a real blessing. And there's been lots and lots of challenges, you know. Um, but I love going and I really, really enjoy the people that I work with. I'm, I'm married to a girl called Circa. And if it wasn't for Youth Nations, I, I wouldn't have met her. Um, back in... Oh, 2000, 2001, I went to what was called the World Youth Day and we bumped into each other just on a pilgrimage walk. It, it, it really sounds more holy than it was. So <laughs> I was going to say, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, not, it's not really that holy, but it, it was a holy <laughs> walk. Um, uh, so we live in Belfast. We lived at, uh, circa moved to Belfast uh, 13 years ago. Um, we have three children. Uh, ben, who is nine and a half, um, uh, Neve, who is six, and Sarah, who is four. Now, the beauty of Sarah, 
Neve is beautiful too, but the beauty of Sarah is that we share the same birthday. So September 1st. Um, I, I say it's beautiful because it's beautiful for her because obviously the last four birthdays, well, the last birthday, I didn't even get a birthday cake. So, and I was lucky to be saying happy birthday too. So not that I mind. I mean, I don't hold a grudge against her or anything. So it's, um, but yeah, so. I'm not, I'm not sure I knew you were September 1st. I'm August 31st, Tony. Are you, John? Yeah. You see, John, I would have preferred. We need born. to support each other during that time, probably. I should, have, I, should, I should have known that in Texas, John. I was nearly born on August 31st. And I, I mean, I do blame my mum. So, um, <laughs> because in, in Northern Ireland, the first day back to school is September 1st. I mean, what oh, a dreadful day to be born that's on. That's so sad. <laughs> it is. Like, I, I mean, I do feel sorry for my daughter, Sarah. Because um, my friends in my class, they always got the day off for their birthday. And there's me, first day of school, you know, having to be there. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is just crazy. You know? And I asked for a half birthday, but it was never, it was never accepted. <laughs> Tony, I know enough about you to uh, be able to say that you did not hire into youth initiatives without experience there. Could you share about how you first got involved in youth initiatives and when that was? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, first of all, I, I, my mom and dad didn't go to church, so I kind of grew up in an unchurched or unchristian family. And um, I played a lot of soccer just with a lot of guys from the street, you know, and we and we we, we got we, we got to play to a, a high level here in Northern Ireland, which was great. But five of those guys played soccer on a on a Sunday morning at half ten, and really, you should be going to church at half ten on a Sunday. But we were we were playing soccer, and um, there was a there was a, a, a place in in Twinbrook, which I grew up in, which is very socially deprived in one of the high areas of deprivation in Northern Ireland. And, um, but we, we, we played soccer there. And I played there for about five or six weeks. And all of a sudden, there, there was this announcement made that if anybody wants to go to Pittsburgh, you should, you should register at the end of you know, the, uh, the soccer session. And then they made the most beautiful announcement ever. And it's free. And I thought, absolutely. Why would I not sign for that? So I kind of, I signed up. How old were you then? I was 16, 16, nearly 17. Um, so I signed up for it. Now, I, I'm going to, I'll probably twist in between some of these stories. I went to a school called Lagan College, and it's a, it was the first Catholic and Protestant school in Northern Ireland, um, which definitely is a spiritual insight to my mum and dad, really. Um, but I went, I got a bus with a girl called Joanne. And we all kind of hung around in the same street together. Um, so I had to get a bus at seven o'clock in the morning because this school was in the back end of nowhere. It took an hour and a half to get there and an hour and a half to get back. But this girl, Joanne, went to what I could, I still describe it today, even though I work for, for youth initiatives. They went to this like kind of Bible bashing club. And like every week she said to me, oh, please go, please go. And I'm like, are you crazy? Why am why I not going there? Absolutely not. No way, no chance. And so back to the football story. So 
I, I, I was told to come up for an, an interview to go to Pittsburgh. And they said to me, okay, we're going to meet in a place called the Dairy Farm. And you have to walk upstairs and walk through uh, the upper room red door. Now, this didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I was like, upper room? I was like, what does that mean? I, haven't, I have no idea. But so I arrive in Wednesday, 8 o'clock, and I walk up the steps and I open this red door and the first person I see is my friend Joanne. And I go, mm. this is the Bible bashers. I said, <laughs> what, what am I doing here? You gotta be kidding me. And she just, she was looking at me and I was looking at her and I'm going, oh, you, no way, absolutely no way. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was the, like, it's youth initiatives, but it was the Bible bashers back. My dad still calls it Bible bashers. Like Tony works for the Bible bashers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, or like my mum says, oh, he works for the group, the group, you know, the, the prayer group. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. So eventually I went through the interview and that was the moment that I'm going to say God really came into my life for the first time. Now there's, I had to re-invite him in lots of different times after that, but I never missed a youth initiatives evening for four years after that. It was every Wednesday. Mm. There was an attraction there. There was authenticity in terms of relationships. And I really felt welcome. I Once I walked through that door, I, there was really something different that when I explain now, it, I really felt a real sense of the Holy Spirit come into my life. I, I couldn't describe it like that back then. I didn't know what it was. Um but I, I never missed it for four years. So that was my introduction to to youth initiatives. And so, Tony, did you go to, a, to Pittsburgh? Did you end up going on that trip? And that is where you, what was, what kind of trip was that? Was it just for soccer or for, was it like a retreat or a mission trip? Or? Yeah, good question. But it was a service okay. trip. Um, well, they called it mission trip. Um, sure. And I was like, you know, um, like my mum and dad, my dad's like, oh, he's away to the States with the Bible bashers. But like, he didn't tell anybody, he didn't tell anybody where, where I was going because I was away with the Bible bashers. And, but I remember going into North Pittsburgh and kind of up in the hills um, when, you, when you cross the river. And what we did was we, there was this family who had just lost their, their, their dad and we replaced their kitchen floor. We, we fixed their steps I mean, I still remember it really vividly. I've actually went back. Mm. It was called the Pittsburgh Project. Um, mm. I went back just after a summer that I uh, that I was able to participate and volunteer in uh, uh, Detroit Summer Outreach. And I went back to visit some of those guys. But one of the things that's really odd, Bridget, was odd to me then, was one of the leaders said to me, let's keep a journal. Now, I'm a guy from West Belfast and... You know, academic was... You didn't journal loads before that, is saying? <laughs> oh, you know, and if I was honest, I, I, you sort of kind of... You made fun of people who journaled, you know? So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I feel guilty saying that now, but I love journaling and I, I love kind of writing my, my thoughts down on how the, the spirit's working, but I had an opportunity. I, I found that journal about uh, six months ago, eight months ago, and I read it back. 
It's a blue book and it's a little kind of black binder. And it was just simply putting down thoughts of kind of serving other people and how, how that was really kind of impacting me and what that impact was. Um, and the impact was I wanted to serve again. And, and from that trip, the year after, I met John in Detroit. And um, things just really kind of took off from, from, from that, from that. So it was so there in the, in the 1996, you came to Detroit as an, as an intern in Detroit Summer Outreach. And that's where we met because my wife and I were there as well. And then you ended up spending a number of years in Detroit. Is that right? Yeah, John, I remember Forest Street, you know, the, 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 the community church there, Highland Park Community Church. Um, that was really transformational for me. Really transformational. Um, my journey was one where it, I, I was in and then I struggled and I knew I was struggling. Uh, and then I, I, was, I was really fortunate because the, the guys in Detroit, Stamathay, Doc, yourself, allowed me to come back the year after. And at each time there was something, the Lord was really moving. He was powerfully moving in my life. And I didn't even recognize it and I didn't even know it. But there was building blocks being put in place. There was really significant relationships being put in place with the servants of the word in particular. And then there was really important relationships being built here in Belfast. I mean, I was in and out of the community scene. Um, I, I played soccer with the guys for about three years, and that's the only thing I did with them. I just played soccer. Went down to the soccer tournaments, participated in, you know, prayer gatherings and, and Lord's Days and, you know, stayed in other people's homes. And I, I thought that was great, and, but the, the Lord was really stirring something in me. And then I had the opportunity to uh, go for a gap year. Uh, it, was, it was an extended kind of time. I think I was there for about 18, 19 months. And one of the beauties of it, uh, Bridget and John, was it was the first year-long program that Detroit w w delivered. Now, I'm not staking a claim for like YouthWorks Detroit or anything there, but I just remember uh, myself and another guy called Dave Bates, ironically from Pittsburgh, um, and I just see how the Lord's kind of moving and, and, and shifting in my life around. Well, you know, Pittsburgh, you had a really good experience. Here's another guy who's on fire for the Lord, really wants to serve, really wants to work in Detroit and be a part of the community down there. And I remember this, the Lord said to me, go deeper into the mess. Be involved in these young people's lives. And I remember having a conversation with Stan, with Day around, I, I, I can't always do this from East Lansing. I can't always do it from the Brotherhood House in Oak Street. So Stan allowed us to drive to Detroit, I think it was three or four times a week. And we stayed on the floors of families' homes in Highland Park. I mean, we were two white guys just staying in a you know, black neighbourhood. And I, I got away with it because I had a, an Irish accent. You know, and I, there was just real beauty in that. And I just remember staying on the floor of families' homes and just serving them. And the, one of the, the paradoxes is, 
what they did for me and my walk with the Lord was probably more than I ever imagined I was able to kind of do for them and serve with them. Um, you know, the Crenshaws, the Hayes, you know, just families like that, just kind of serving them. You know, the pastor in Highland Park Community Church, uh, the priest in, you know, St. Benedict's, you know, just been able to, to have lunch and to have coffee and tea with those guys and to take those young people out um, and I'm still in contact with the Crenshaws, you know, and this is this is 2021, and I'm still in contact with them. And I, I, I've been, I've returned to Detroit, I think maybe ten times. Um, and that's 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 testament to the impact that that, that that's had on me, and so much so. Um, I I came back from my gap year. A gap year was a was a really strange experience. There are parts of my gap year I did really, really well on and parts of it that were extremely challenging. And and it's it's easier for me now to kind of reflect back and look at that. It, it was much more difficult to kind of to, to recognise that at the time. There were times in my gap year, I honestly wondered, because I've had this conversation with some of the brothers, why did you guys not just send me home? Um, and that's... That is a really key thing that I do in my youth, my personal youth work now. I stick with people and I journey with them and I'm in their messes. And I mean, I'm in some serious messes with young people, some serious mental health messes, some serious poverty messes, some serious educational messes. And I put it all back to some of these guys in Detroit just stuck with me. And I don't know at times why they did. Now, what I've had those, particularly, you know, Dave Quintana, he was head of the house and Stan was the guy who was, was in one sense, in charge and kind of caring for me. And, and I've asked, well, one of the beauties is I, there was a, about five or six years ago, I had the opportunity to return and sit with those brothers and say, I just need to thank you for saying yes to me. And I remember saying that to, um, to Mike Kramer. Down, and I, at that stage, he was living in Grand Rapids. And I said to Mike, I, I don't know why you stuck with me, but you did. And that has stayed with me. That is, and I can vividly remember those conversations, and they were over 20 years ago. How the Lord worked in those men. And the way that I describe it to some, the way that I describe it to my son now is, I... I was just broken down into pieces. And the brothers, particularly the servants of the word, but there's lots of other people kind of who surrounded that and helped that. They just remolded me. And I came home a really different person. And I mean, it, it, it was night and day. It was black and white. It was just so different. And, and I, I struggled when I first came home because I was so surrounded with you know, getting up at six o'clock for morning prayer, uh, studying the scripture, studying the Psalms, going out to serve, um, coming back with lunchtime prayer, with evening prayer, with night prayer. And I, I struggled with just not having that structure. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I remember, um, because I had an opportunity to speak to, to Jerry Monk and Yvonne and... Uh, I'm stack. Yeah, Yvonne Comstock. Comstock, yeah. And, and Jerry's wife. Uh, oh, Jan. Jan, yeah. I had, I had the opportunity to visit them 
in, in the Work of Christ Community Centre. And my job in the Work of Christ Community Centre was to literally clean uh, the poo off the walls because they, they used to have a childcare facility there. And that's where I used to listen to the dance music. Noble calling. I used, yeah. to, I used to stick it in. And, and that was horrible. I thought, I, I, like, when I, when I, but during that process, it's like, why do I have to do this? I mean, this is the worst job in the world. And, but it wasn't the worst job. It was actually the best job in the world for me. Because when I talk about getting in the mess of young people's lives, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about actually going really deep and further and harder. Um, and it was uncomfortable. I mean, lots of things were uncomfortable about cleaning that stuff up. But, um, but the Lord really used that time to allow me to grow in patience, allow me to just to serve one another and allow me to be obedient because I had to be obedient to... Uh, to my brother and two sisters because they, they were my bosses and there was real life lessons learned there for, for me personally you know to the point now where I, I, I clean the toilets in, in our YI hubs you know so they, and I'm, I'm, I'm the chief officer uh, you know so people think you should be doing that and I'm like no 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 this is exactly what I should be doing hmm. and I was struck by a a quote from Pope Francis, and not that I, I, this is the only time I've ever quoted him, was, um, he says, you should be able to smell your sheep. Mm. And I have, a, I have a real heart for ecumenism and I've got a real heart and real desire and passion for evangelism and reaching out and connecting with people and drawing those people in, drawing the unchurched people in, um, and particularly to our community life, I have not seen a better way to live my life than one, to give it to the Lord and to live it out through community. Mm. And I, I've tested that calling, you know, and the Lord said to me, the boundary lines for you, Tony, have fallen in pleasant places. And I, I was, and there are lots of stories that, that I could, but yeah, so... Well, you're like the you're like the uh, interviewee who interviews himself. I keep thinking of questions, and <laughs> yeah. then you launch into the, the answer to the question. <laughs> but I was going to ask as you go on. You're talking about, you know, what what we say here as an inner city kid growing up, yeah. and then you come into this outreach, and then you have this experiences in the U.S. Pittsburgh, briefly, more at length in Detroit, but pretty wild experiences and you're back in Belfast and you're serving in YI and you have a heart for evangelism. You have a heart for the poor. You're getting in a mess with kids. How does all that come together with being a leader in a covenant community, being a husband and father in the sword of the spirit, which all those things I just named, those are not our strong suits. We don't have a lot of inner city kids. We don't do a lot of work with the poor. Uh, I know we do some, but we don't do a lot. Um, we don't have a lot of diversity within our communities 
beyond ecumenically in your community and our community are, are ecumenical. But I think there's got to be some tension there for you with your background, your experience, and, and your heart. How have you navigated that, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a really good question, John. Um, you know, uh, I, I kind of touched on... Um, I work for a mission organization and, um, you know, along with working with, with a mission organization it becomes a mission salary, do you know? But I actually, it was actually sharing last week with a group of men, some of our UCO men. I am more rich now than I ever expected to be in my whole life. And um, I remember... Uh, when, when Sir, she'll, she'll kill me for saying this, but I'll say it anyway. I remember when Sir and I were at least thinking about getting engaged. And we, we, we had a lot of conversations to kind of work through and talk through. And one of those conversations was, where are we going to live? Because Sir is from Dublin and she worked in Dublin. And, and she was a, a lawyer. She was a barrister in Dublin. And, and she made four times as much in a month than me that I did in youth initiatives. And one of the really difficult conversations that we had was around where are we going to live? And we, we prayed substantially about it. And it was one of the, there's lots of times in my life where God has really spoke directly to me, like absolutely directly to me. And on this occasion, we were in a, we were just about to go to a furniture store and, he, and I remember sitting in the car and uh, circa get out of the car and I remember putting my hand on the, on the door handle and God said to me you just need to sit down I thought oh okay right what, what is this and, and that moment God said to me you have not finished your mission in youth initiatives the purpose of me having you here has not been completed yet so you need to get circa back into the car and you need to ask her to move to Belfast and give up everything that she's worked for. And I thought, no way, I am not doing that. Mm. And God says, well, you're not getting out of the car. And it took a few minutes, like a circle was out of the car. She was wondering, what, what, what is he doing? And eventually I opened the door and I called her back in and I said, I just need to tell you this. I'd like you to move to Belfast and I'd like you to give up being a lawyer and I want you to come and be the wife of a missionary. Mm. And she started crying. <laughs> and now the rest is history because, you know, she said yes, because she's such a holy woman and she believes that God speaks really directly to people. And um, so that, that, there's, there's, there's instances like that you know, and I could tell you, I could tell you more. I, 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 um, so I firmly believe that my mission in youth initiatives has not come to an end yet. Mm. And I, I have went back to the Lord. So I'm there 16 years, I'm there nearly 17 years. And I've went back to the Lord and asked him again and again and again, is my time up here? Have I given everything I can to this? And he still said no. And I did it again last year. 
in amongst the, the turmoil and the challenges that we were experiencing. And he said to me, I have told you that you're not finished there yet. And I'm in, I'm 100% in. This is such a great conversation we're having. Uh, I, I think that we're going to spill over onto another episode. So um, we're out of time for today. It's been great having you with us, Tony, and, and having all of you join us and tune back in next time to hear more talk about Belfast and more of Tony's fun accent. And we'll see you then. is a Sword of the Spirit podcast. Our program is produced by John Wilson and Bridget Bonifant. Peter Wilson is our sound engineer, and music for our podcast was written and performed by Peter Wilson and Will Cannon. <laughs>